what happened yesterday, everything that transpired yesterday, all the events, they really got me in my feelings. What's up? Welcome to the Ryan Wallace Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, July 18th, middle of the week. We reached the middle of the week. I have a month and a half left of my summer before I get to go back to school. It's crazy. So the last day for me was April 30th, uh, and somehow two months have transpired. All of May, all of June, we are now halfway through July. It's crazy. Time is just flying by. Well, as I said, welcome to the Ryan Wallace Sports Podcast. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening to this point. Big news for the podcast. You can now listen to this on iTunes. We've got the email on, I think, Tuesday, I want to say, on Monday night, early Tuesday morning, uh, somewhere around there. And I got the email. It said, your podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, which is also considered iTunes, which is pretty neat. So now you can listen to the Ryan Wilder Sports Podcast on Apple. You can listen to it on Spotify, CastBox, Google Podcasts, and even more services. Hopefully, we'll add a couple more as the podcast continues to get up and running. I would love to get it onto Google Play uh, and just a, a couple other services just to you know have a nice variety. But the, the major ones are really accounted for. You can listen to this, as I said, on iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, Google Podcasts, mainly uh, a lot of services. To see the full list, you can actually visit my link tree. So if you go to my website, www.ryanwaldis.com, and at the top you will see a podcast tab. All you have to do is click where it says podcast, and you will be brought to my link tree. And that is where you can really, that's that's where that's where you need to go. So I made this yesterday. Uh, this link tree so there are all you gotta do is click on the button you want to go to so there's a button to listen to my podcast on iTunes there's a button to listen to my podcast on Spotify there is a button to listen to this podcast on Stitcher there's a button to where you can follow me on Twitter Instagram Snapchat you can visit my website you can like my Facebook page whatever you want to do just visit that link tree and it's really that's how you can stay connected with me it's the easiest way to do it I figure it'd be easy for all of you so once again all you have to do is go to ryanwaldis.com and click on the podcast tab at the top of the page and you can be brought to my link tree. Alternatively, you can just visit the website. It is linktr.ee slash ryanwaldis. Once again, it's linktr.ee slash ryanwaldis. That's how you can also be brought to my link tree. As I said, Man, everything, all the events that transpired yesterday really got me in my feelings. Um, so that's what that's what we're going to start with today on the on the Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast. We're going to start with Manny Machado. No, I waited a while. It is two o three p.m. as I'm recording this. I waited a very long time to start recording this because I was hoping that this trade would have been official by now. I assumed that when I went to sleep last night uh, around three o'clock in the morning, I would wake up around you know nine or ten. Uh, and I would look at my phone and I would see breaking Machado traded to Dodgers for this guy, this guy, this guy. Uh, much to my surprise, that wasn't what I saw. I saw a trade uh, notification for a different sport. I'm going to get into that a little later. But I did not see the, the Machado um trade I did not see that go through so it's not official yet uh it's according to Ken Rosenthal multiple other sources it's he's he's gonna go to the Dodgers Uh, it's not even one of those cases where it's like oh barring a late snag he'll he will go to the Dodgers uh it's just we're in a waiting period I if I if I had to guess if I if I had to imagine they got the Orioles have to be filling out paperwork they got to be looking at the medical history these prospects that they're getting it's it's one of those things um but as of right now, as I record this right now, and I'll wait if it breaks during when I'm recording the podcast, I'll be sure to, to talk about it. But uh, as of 2.04 p.m. on July 18th, the trade is still not official. So we do not know what is we do not know who is going back to Baltimore. We we can assume that Machado is going to the Dodgers and in return. We can, uh, at this point, assume that the package is centered around Yusniel Diaz, one of the Dodgers' top prospects. But we will we'll get into that in uh, in just a second. Um, so Manny Machado, uh, it, it it's I say I'm in my feelings about all this uh, because it two days ago the Phillies, my Philadelphia Phillies, the team that I am a huge fan of, 
Uh, they were apparently the team in the lead. It, they, the reports coming out that he was going to get traded to Philadelphia on Wednesday morning, and Andy McPhail is a magician, and the Phillies are the leading team, and they don't have to give up Sixto Sanchez, and the package is not going to be that awful. It's it, it, it it's my fault, really, right? Because I got caught into to all the hype. Um, it, by the way, I'm going to sound like like this really like a kid throwing a temper tantrum. I hate being a team that's in trade rumors, right? And maybe it's just because uh, it's been a while, right? It's been a while since the Phillies have been in conversations for a player like a Manny Machado or, you know, even remotely close to Manny Machado since they've been bad for the past however many years. But I hated these these past four or five days. Like, I... It's I, I wasted a lot of my time. I was constantly looking at my phone. I was checking Reddit. I was checking Twitter. And all the while, it's like, oh, the Phillies are... It, it, it pisses me off, too, because a, a week ago, right, a little over a week ago, the Phillies, the report came out, oh, yeah, the Phillies are going to back off of their Machado pursuit. And it's just too much for them. So at that point, I'm like, okay, all right, I can relax now. It's, you know, it would have been nice to get them. This side and the other. And then a few days later comes out, oh, the Phillies are making a major push. The Orioles are looking at all these guys in the Phillies minor league system. They're really interested in Adonis Medina. Now the Phillies are content to let go of Adonis Medina in a trade. And now the Phillies are the, the overwhelming favorites. We'll have more on this. Tuesday morning, this team was the favorite. Uh, and then somewhere between Tuesday morning and Tuesday afternoon, the Dodgers just came right in uh, uninvited. Um, and obviously I say this, they were obviously in pursuit as well. I'm just very salty. They came barging in, uh, and they topped our offer somehow. I, I don't know. I don't know what our offer is. Nobody knows what the Phillies had offered. Uh, supposedly there was a report that came out that the Brewers had the second best offer. So in the span of less than 24 hours, the Phillies went from being the team that was in, you know, the best position to acquire Machado to they didn't even have the second best offer. They had the third best offer. So I would love to know how that happened. I'd love to know how you can go from the best offer and team president Andy McPhail is a magician to you have the third best offer, and that is that. Um, so uh, the Dodgers became this, this favorite, and then... There were reports coming out leading up to the All-Star game that, oh, you know, it seems more and more likely that Machado is going to be a Dodger. And then Ken Rosenthal does that stupid shit where he asks Machado these, like, really awkward, like, I cr- like I don't cringe at a lot of stuff. Like, I, I think that word is really overused. I cringed when Ken Rosenthal was interviewing Manny Machado yesterday during the All-Star game. I, I thought that was so stupid. But, uh, anyway, uh, he... Right after, right after the interview, it was literally five seconds after. Maybe not literally. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm trying not to use that word a lot. But, you know, five seconds after, Ken Rosenthal tweets, can confirm with more certainty Machado to the Dodgers. Uh, and this was, I, like, at 11 o'clock last night, roughly. Like, 11 p.m. Uh, to the point, so that's that's officially when I gave up. I, I held, like, that slight little glimmer of hope that the Phillies were going to just bust down the door with like a battering ram and say, yo, yeah, no, 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 wait, we'll give you this package. We could guarantee it's better than the Dodgers, but that didn't happen. So as of right now, I'm still waiting for this trade to to become official. But the closest thing we have to a potential package, Michael J. Duarte, he covers the Dodgers and the other Los Angeles teams for NBC Los Angeles. The closest thing I found to a prospect package was his tweet, which was sent at 11.21 last night. He said, Sources believe the deal agreed upon between Dodgers and Orioles is Yusniel Diaz, Dustin May, and Errol Robinson heading to Baltimore for Manny Machado and cash and possibly bonus pull money. Again, not officials. Teams have yet to announce. Still fluid. By the way, still fluid. Fucking hate that. Because that's every tweet that John Heyman sent Yesterday, oh, the situation is still fluid. This, that, and the other. Oh, the Dodgers are the favorite, but the situation is still fluid. The Phillies are making a run, but the situation is still fluid. Things can change. I hate that phrase now. Out of the, the if there was like a list of phrases that I hate, the situation is still fluid. That's number one. Um, so I'm not sure about the money, but it, it seems like Diaz, May, and Robinson. They're right now. They they are at the forefront. Uh, I've seen. Reports that there are three prospects going to the Dodge or the Orioles. I've seen reports that there are five prospects going to the Orioles. I don't know. 
As I said, I can't stress this enough. It is 2.09, and I'm actually going to go to Reddit right now while I'm doing this podcast. It is 2.09, so I'm going to go to our baseball, and I'm going to go to new because this is still not official yet. Um, I, I don't know why yet. It's, okay, it's still not official. So as of right now, we don't know. So we can only assume what prospects are going over. So we will start with the, the best prospect in this prospect package. Uh, it's not Alex Verdugo which I think is good because, as I said, if you're the Orioles, I think you want guys that have not reached the majors yet, so you have that the long control period. So you look at a guy like a Yusniel Diaz. Uh, it de- now, it depends where you look. So uh, according to Minor League Ball, um, which is the SB Nation site for for like Minor League Baseball, uh, this was preseason. I can't stress this enough also, but they had him at number seven. They had him behind Walker Bueller, Alex Verdugo, Kybert Ruiz. Now, Ruiz was apparently an, an untouchable um, from what I could tell. Uh, not just in the Machado trade, but any trade that the Dodgers are going to make, it seemed like Ruiz was an untouchable. Um, Diaz was behind Mitchell White. He was behind Yadier Alvarez, and he was behind Starling Heredia. Um, so he was behind two outfielders in Verdugo and Heredia. He was behind three pitchers in Bueller, White, and Alvarez. And then he was behind Ruiz, who was a catching prospect. If you look at MLB Pipeline, uh, Diaz is number four. He was behind just Verdugo, Ruiz, White, uh, and I imagine Bueller was ahead of them. So let's say Diaz was number five uh, entering the season. Uh, you take a look at, at Fangraphs, Diaz was was number four. That now this was updated. This was actually two days ago from from Fangraphs from Mark uh, Hewlett. Uh, I'm sure I mispronounced your last name, buddy. I'm sorry, um, but this was updated. So I imagine Bueller was number one, um, but he was behind Verdugo, Ruiz, White, uh, and that's it as of right now. Uh, so you look at a guy like a Yusniel Diaz. You take a look at how he's doing this year. Right now he's in Double A. So last year he started in High A. Uh, he was promoted to Double A. Played 31 games there. He hit 333, 390, 491 uh, with a WRC plus of 149. Uh, and you're gonna, it's I, I should get a shirt that just says WRC plus because I reference that stat a ton. Uh, I think that a couple of my friends are starting to get tired of it just just a little bit. But uh, so he starts at Double A again this year. He's played 59 games all in Double A. He's made 264 plate appearances. Uh, and he has he's really improved his approach at the plate this year. So he's walked 15.5% of the time. That is by far a career high since he's been in professional ball. Uh, his previous career high was 9.4%, and that was last year when he was with the Dodgers High A affiliate. He's striking out just 14.8% of the time. That is a career best as well. The previous career best also came when he was with high A when it was 19.5%. But coming into the season, he walked roughly 8 to 9% of the time. He struck out roughly, let's say, 21 to 22% of the time on average. Uh, this year, that's major improvement. Uh, and this year, he is hitting 314. He has an incredible on-base percentage of 428 and he is slugging 477. So that's good for an OPS of 905. He has a speed rating. Now I'm not I'm also not completely sold on the the base running metrics as I am, you know, this is the same thing with like the UZR and stuff like that. I know there's other, you know, better defensive metrics like defensive runs saved, but regardless speed rating, he has a 5.6. His BABIP is 360. But, you know, during his professional career, which just started in 2016, uh, he's typically held a high BAB in 2016. It was 326. 2017, it alternated between 328 and 434. And this year, it's at 360, um, which is, you know, it's, it's, is it a little high? Yeah, but it seems like he's one of those guys that could probably maintain that uh, a little bit. At the major league level, no. But at least for right now, yeah. Uh, he has a WRC plus this year of 147. So he's a couple ticks below where he was last year, but it's still fine. So he's still 47% better than the the league average hitter down in down in Double A. Uh, you look at the the report. Now this is per Fangraphs. Uh, if you look really anywhere, it's you're you're gonna see the the same thing. Um, so he has uh, a solid hit tool. So if you take a look at at Fangraphs, they're saying his potential ceiling as his hit tool is at a 50. MLB Pipeline says it's a 55. They're saying his power is between 45 and 50. MLB Pipeline uh, agrees with that as well. They're saying MLB Pipeline's a little higher on his speed. Uh, they have it at a potential 55 grade, whereas Fangraphs has it as 50. Both of them think that he can be a really solid fielder. 
Um, they both have his his fielding grade at a potential 55 and his arm at 55. Uh, they Fangraphs has him at an overall future value of 45. Uh, MLB Pipeline has him at, at 55. So it, it, this is a guy who I think you're looking at uh, his, his ceiling. He can be solid with the bat. Um, how much pop, you know, it's, it's to be determined. So in 2016, a high A, uh, he had eight home runs, 2017, he had 11 home runs combined. Uh, and this year so far through 59 games and 264 plate appearances, he has six home runs to go along with eight stolen bases. So I think absolute ceiling for this guy, you're looking at someone that's going to be solid with the bat. He's not going to hurt you batting average wise. He's a guy that can probably get on base a decent amount from, from what we've seen. He's not going to strike out a ton um, so, so this year we take a look at it. He struck out 39 times. He's walked 41. Uh, I think the biggest indicator, uh, in 2016 in 316 plate appearances, he struck out 71 and walked 29, uh, in 2017 in 331, uh, at bats, he struck out 73, walked 35. So uh, I think that this is a guy that's, you know, he's not going to strike out a ton. He'll probably walk uh, a decent amount. Um, but it's. I think it's a. If you're the Orioles, I think it's a, a good guy to start the prospect package around. I know I said that you know maybe you'd look for infielders and pitchers uh, if you are a team like the Orioles, but I think that uh, y- you start a prospect around a guy like a Yusniel Diaz. Uh, he. Uh, it's it's a good it's a good thing to start. So I think maybe uh, a, a solid batting average. I think he he could be a threat for 2020 seasons down the road. Uh, he's going to be good defensively. I think he can play some wherever you want in the in the outfield. I think I read that he can play uh, every position in the outfield, and you and uh, you'd be fine. So it's a good prospect to start the package around for the for the Orioles now. Uh, supposedly, uh, once I I don't know this for sure. Supposedly, uh, they're also getting Dustin May. Um, and now Dustin May, this is a, a pitching prospect that apparently Baltimore was really set on. It's a guy they really wanted, uh, and supposedly, at least at this point, they are they're going to get him. So you look at Dustin May; he's kind of uh, risen up through the through the Dodgers farm system. Uh, so we take a look here uh, at how he's done this year for the. For the Los Angeles Dodgers, so right now he is in he's in high A. He ended the season last year in high A because he only pitched 11 innings. So they brought him back to high A this year. This year he started 14 games. He's appeared in all those games, obviously. Um, he's tossed 78 and, and two thirds innings. Um, once again, not a big fan of pitcher records, but just for context, he's five and three. Uh, he has an ERA of 3.09 and a FIP of 3.62. He has struck out 9.5 batters per nine innings, so his K rate is a 25.9%. His walk rate is pretty minuscule at 4.4%, and it's surprising because Dustin May is a guy. He is he's six he's six foot six. Now, typically these taller pitchers, the the one thing we we see from them mainly when they're trying to rise to the minor leagues, they initially have issues with with their control. Um, as a Phillies fan. Uh, I think uh, a great example of this was Philippe Almond. This guy was extremely tall, extremely intimidating on the mound, had control issues out the ass. So uh, that's the that's one of the main issues with taller pitchers. That's not been an issue for, for Dustin May. In fact, uh, depending on who you ask, he actually has the, the best command tool uh, in the in the Dodgers' entire farm system, which is which is really, um, I'm trying to think of the, the, it's not surprising, but it's a nice accolade for him, uh, I guess you could say. You look at how he's done in his career uh, command-wise. In his professional debut in 2016 in rookie ball, he had a walk rate of 3%. You bump up to 2017 at mid-A, um, he had a walk rate of 5%. That's been his career high so far. Um, you move him up to high A, his walk rate decreased to 2.4%, albeit in limited time. And this year, it is at 4.4%. Uh, you take a look. He's stranded this year. 73.9% of the runners that have allowed to reach base. He's letting up less than one home run per nine innings. So he's, I, I think, is this guy going to be an ace for the Orioles? Uh, I doubt it. Uh, and if, you know, as as a as an onlooker, I kind of worry about pitchers in the Orioles farm system. They haven't really been too good at developing uh, pitchers in their system over the past, I'd say, 10 to 20 years. But... Uh, I think May, he's not going to be an ace, but I think he has the ceiling of a, I'd say a two in, you know, a, a, a below average rotation, a three to four 
in uh, a good playoff rotation, uh, which is still good. It's, it's a good prospect to get back if you're the Orioles. You take a look at his at his grades. So we take a look here at, oh, I should say this. So uh, per minor league ball, he was their ninth ranked prospect coming into the year. According to MLB Pipeline right now, he is their 10th ranked prospect. And according to Fangraphs, he is, if I get if I get this back up here, uh, Dustin May is their 8th ranked prospect. So by all accounts, the Orioles are getting back at least a top 5 prospect and a top 10 prospect. Um, along with at least one other guy, um, it would seem. So you take a look at, at Dustin May, um, his, his grades. It seems like he'll have a solid fastball. It would seem as though... Uh, Fangraphs is a little higher on Dustin May than MLB Pipeline is. MLB, uh, or I should say Fangraphs, they think that he could have a potential 60-grade fastball and a 60-grade curveball. Uh, his changeup, they say that it'll probably be, you know, uh, around average. Uh, they say it, if it reaches its best, you're looking at a 50-grade changeup. But his command tool is really what sets him apart from a lot of the other pitchers in that system. Uh, he had a potential 60-grade command. Uh, if you look at you know where, how the the grading system goes in Major League Baseball, 60 is typically you're looking at above average. Um, so it's I think this is a nice guy to get back if you're the Orioles. He I think you know best case he could be a September call up next year, but more than likely um, you're you're looking at 2020s around the time when Dustin May comes up. Uh, if you are if you're the Orioles, which is fine. As I said in the, my podcast, one of my podcasts last week, if you're the Orioles, you want guys that haven't reached the majors yet, uh, and ha- so you're going to have a lot of team control with with them. And I think you look at these guys that aren't going to be up until 2019, 2020, maybe a little later, depending on how they you know how they fully develop. Uh, I think it's you know it's good. The Orioles they're going to have these guys for a long time because let's face it, they're not going to be good for the next several years. So I think you just let these guys develop and then they come up. You have team control for for six plus years and you and you go from there. So I think it's I think the par, the the package centering around May and Diaz it was it was a good haul just for those two for the for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, you move on now to the the supposedly the final guy like if we can assume that Michael J Duarte is correct in that it's Yusniel Diaz Dustin Main Errol Robinson we can assume that Robinson's the last guy um as I said still not official by the time you listen to this it might have been made official and the prospects might have changed but as of right now using the the knowledge that I have um Errol Robinson is supposedly the, the third prospect heading back to Baltimore now, he's the the oldest guy heading back he is 23 years of age um he is um, he's hitting 256 with a 322 on base percentage and a 369 slugging percentage with the with the Dodgers he is also with double a he ended the season last year in in double a and they and they decided to to bring him back um, to double a to start this year he's appeared in 84 games right now he has seven home runs and 16 stolen bases. Uh, he's walked 8.2% of the time. His strikeout rate is 21.5%. He's t- he's kind of been a little below average, actually, at the at the plate. His WRC plus of 86 would indicate that his offense production is is a little below what you would what you would want to see, um, which is okay with a guy like an Errol Robinson. He is a middle infielder. He could play shortstop and second base. He's really his main uh, value is going to come in the field. This is another guy that's not going to probably be up until 2019 at the earliest. Um, he's in Double A right now, as I said. I don't know where Baltimore put him. I imagine they're going to bring him to 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 their Double A affiliate as well. You take a look at how he looks um, grade wise. This is a guy he could have maybe an okay hit tool. MLB Pipeline says that he could be probably uh, the ceiling of a 50 grade hit tool. Not really a ton of power uh, according to them. Uh, maybe a 30-grade power. Uh, as I said, he has seven home runs right now through 320 at-bats, so you extend that out through an entire season. You're looking at maybe 14 to 15 home runs uh, if you're lucky. But he really, he's a guy, his main value comes from in the field and his speed. His speed, they're saying, could be potential 55-grade. As I said, he already has 16 stolen bases this year, so you're looking at a guy that could maybe steal 35 to 40 bases at some point. Uh, his fielding grade, uh, a potential 60, which is pretty good. Uh, as I said, it's above average when you look at the grades around the, the baseball grading scale. Uh, an arm uh, potential grade of, of 55. So I think that 
this is a guy that you would probably say he hits maybe 7th, 8th, maybe ninth, depending on the manager that you have. Uh, it's, I think that it's maybe he'd have a solid average, maybe not you know great on base percentage, but once he gets on base, he can kind of showcase that speed, and you know maybe he gets a, a single and then he steals second almost immediately. But uh, it's if if we can assume that the package is Diaz, May, and Robinson, I think it's a good haul for Baltimore. You kind of have to understand that whatever whoever whatever team traded for Machado, they're trading for him for two months. So Baltimore, it's to get a haul like this. I think it's it's pretty solid. Now I don't know what the Phillies would have offered. I don't know what the Brewers would have offered. But I think this package from the Dodge is pretty solid, and who knows? As I said, maybe uh, there's two additional prospects going back to Los Angeles. I'm going to check again just to see if the trade is official. But if there's two more prospects going back, two more lottery ticket type prospects going back to Baltimore, then you know even better. But even if there's even if oh wait a minute, so um, there's actually a uh, report that uh, so from Steve Phillips. Uh, he is a baseball insider for TSN. He says there's a possible snag in Machado deal to Dodgers. Sources indicate that one or more of prospects to coming to Orioles have some issues in their physicals. Surprise, surprise, may open door for other clubs. So how about that? So I just spent... <laughs> I hate the trade deadline. I just spent 26 minutes going through the guys that Machado uh, is is being traded for. Um, and now I get this report, possible snag in Machado deal to Dodgers. Sources, I'm going to repeat it again. Sources indicate that one or more of prospects coming to Orioles have some issues in their physicals. Surprise, surprise, may open door for other clubs. Stay tuned. Um, and as I said, this is from Steve Phillips. His Twitter is Steve Phillips GM. Uh, he is the host of Leadoff Spot on MLB Network Radio. He's a former Mets GM. He's a baseball insider for TSN. He's followed that he's followed by Jason Stark and Buster Olney. So I I don't know how reputable this guy is, but as of right now, that's the that's the report. I was kind of hoping to see that the trade was done. That's the report. Um, so I don't know. Now we don't know where Machado is going. Um, I'm sure this podcast in hindsight is going to be very funny um, if this turns out to be all for naught. And I just went through this entire package for nothing. But as of right now, uh, we, that's the package I'm going with is Yusniel Diaz, Dustin May, and Errol Robinson to the Los Angeles Dodgers for, for Manny Machado. That's, that's what I'm going with at this point. If that is the package, um, we're just going to assume that it, it is the package. If that is the package, I think it's a, as I said, it's a good haul for Baltimore. It gives them a nice, uh, a nice start to their, the rebuild process. It's, it's going to take a while for that team to be good uh, again, but I think this group of prospects, it'll help them out, um, I think it'll definitely help them out. Uh, I think, as I said, best case you see some of those guys late next season in 2019, maybe around September, but you know, probably not until 2020 uh, do those guys really uh, get things going. You take a look at where Machado fits in that team. Um, obviously, Corey Seager is out for the year, so Machado, I imagine, would probably go to to shortstop. So I, I've read a couple different theories about what the, the Dodgers would do if they get Machado. Um, so... Uh, Max Muncy right now is playing very well at second. I've read that maybe they could put Taylor um, at second base, um, but I also read that they could t put Taylor in the outfield because that's where he started the season. So hypothetically, you could see maybe Machado at, at short. You could see Justin Turner at, at third base, Max Muncy at, at second base. You move Chris Taylor from shortstop to the outfield. Uh, and people kind of wonder, oh, well, why would the Dodgers trade for this guy? They're not even going to be able to re-sign him. There's there's a scenario where the Dodgers can re-sign Manny Machado, and, and, and then the next thing people say is, well, they don't need him. They have Corey Seager. In in that in that case, uh, and Machado actually came out and said that even though he wants to play shortstop, it's not up to him where he plays, so he'll really play wherever. Um, so I think that's kind of been overblown at this point. And I was kind of on that train too, but now I've, I've hopped off that train. I got off at the next stop. It's. I think that you take a look at where he fits. You could put maybe Corey Seager at shortstop. You could put Manny at third base. 
you you know if you want to put Chris Taylor at second, you can. If you want to keep Max there next year, you can. Obviously, we don't know what Max Muncy's going to be. This is the best he's ever looked as a major leaguer, so we don't know if he's going to be able to keep this up. But if he does, uh, it's a good problem to have whether you want Max or, or Chris Taylor at second. I think you move Justin Turner over to first. You make Cody Bellinger your full-time outfielder, and then you deal with it then. That, that's a pretty good lineup um, if they're able to keep Machado uh, next year. But as of right now, uh, it's still a nice kick for them if they do get him. I don't know if they will. Um, as I said, that that report came out, so I don't know if they're if they're going to get Machado at this point. <laughs> but uh, it's I think my my predictions uh, are going to be a little off uh, if this is if this is really true. Um, as I said, I, I said in my podcast on Monday uh, that I think that the Diamondbacks are going to win the the NL West. I'd say that if Machado goes to the Dodgers, that's probably not the best prediction. I'd say that the Dodgers probably are able to to win it. Um, I also said that the Phillies win the NL East. Uh, I don't know um, because, you know, I, I kind of assumed that they were going to get Machado. I was kind of on that hype train. But if they don't get Machado, I don't know if they win the East, not with the offense they have right now. But, you know, that's, that's the fun thing about predictions. Uh, it can maybe make it look really smart or really stupid. You just take it in stride. But, yeah, so is Manny Machado going to go to the Dodgers? Who the fuck knows? Nobody knows. Um, it's the I, trade deadline's stupid. I hate the trade deadline. But, uh, yeah, that's I just spent 30 minutes going over a trade that might actually not have even happened. So it's always fun. Always fun. Love it. There's one other thing I wanted to talk about with baseball before I move into a trade that actually did happen that has been confirmed by both parties. And it's the Josh Hader thing. So uh, Josh Hader lets up a, a home run yesterday in the All-Star game. Then a little bit afterwards, uh, somebody, uh, it's 2018, so it's not too surprising. Somebody goes into his Twitter account, digs up some tweets from when he was uh, a little younger. I think I think the dates um, coincided with him being, I want to say, like 17, 18, 19 years old, like somewhere around there. Uh, the tweets were... Um, they were not very good. Uh, we'll say that. Um, so a bunch of these things kind of, uh, a bunch of these tweets surface. I want to try to get up a couple of them. I kind of contemplated, you know, reading them uh, or not. Uh, some of them were uh, a little far out there. It was it was not a good look for for this guy. Uh, so one of them. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna read a couple of them. Uh, so uh, once again, it's uh, this isn't meant to. If this offends you. I'm sorry. Um, I guess I'll put like explicit um, when I'm describing this episode, but uh, yeah. So these are some of the tweets from from Josh Hader. Um, once again, hopefully this doesn't offend you. I'm just reading the tweets. Uh, he said one of them was, uh, "I hate gay people. Uh, gay people freak me out. Uh, need a bitch who can fuck, cook, and clean right." Uh, he used the the N word a lot. Um, one of them, I don't give a damn. I'm a triply, and then he used the word, "fuck my lungs, fuck my liver." Um, in that that same period of time, he said, "ha ha 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 ha," two, and then there's a word removed. Bad. I'm grounded. Then he used the word again. Can't do shit. Um, he he sent out a tweet that said "white power," lol, and then he had like the little fist emoji. So. Uh, th- there were a lot more. Uh, if you really want to search and read every single one of them, uh, be my guest. That was just a, a sampling. Um, but yeah, so Josh Hader sends that out. It comes out right during the All-Star game. Um, and with all the players that had their phones with them during the game, I-, I kind of wonder if any of them kind of found out about it and they were reading it during the game. So that's, it's not a good look for it. I, t- I told my friend this yesterday. I'm actually going to bring up the, the, the text I sent him Um right now uh this is really bad podcasting whoops uh okay here we go uh so i said brewers fans have to be sick lose five to the pirates entering the break and see the cubs overtake them in the division have the second best offer for machado but watch him go to the dodgers don't know if that's a thing now all stars outside of yelich didn't look great in the game former players in segura and Jeanette hit homers tonight and haters twitter thing to end the night so brewers fans had a, a rough 24 hours i'd say and i guess you could say a rough 24 plus hours dating back to when they get swept by the pirates in that five game series uh it was rough uh josh hater uh released a statement he said that he would talk last night he released he's like he said something along the lines of, oh, that's that's not who I am. Um, you know, it's it's 
and he, he kind of said that like he was younger, stuff like that. Uh, so the, the Brewers uh, released a statement, the general manager David Stearns uh, this morning um, on Wednesday, July 18th. Uh, and this was his statement. He said, we have been in contact with Josh and he is fully aware of the severity of the situation related to his social media comments, regardless of the timeline of his posts. His comments are inexcusable and he is taking full responsibility for the consequences of his actions. In no way do these sentiments reflect the views of the Brewers organization or our community. Those of us that have come to know Josh do not believe that these posts are representative of his beliefs. He has been a good teammate and contributor to the team in every way. We will continue to work through this issue with Josh as we prepare to resume games after the break. Um, so um, on one end, it's the, the very prototypical PR statement. Um, on the other end, it's not too surprising. I, I told my friend the same thing yesterday. He's not going to get suspended. Um, and it, it, it did come out. He's not going to get suspended. And I, I, I want to say this. I told my friend, this is what I predicted. I said, he's not going to get suspended. He's not going to get cut. I said to the same guy I talked about the Brewers with, I said, uh, they won't. He, he may, he'll make a statement. He'll donate to a charity or something. And in two weeks, many people will forget everything. He won't get cut. He won't be suspended. He'll be right back on the mound this weekend. I don't know if he's going to donate to a charity or something. Um, there was an MLB. They released a statement, Major League Baseball. They're going to require Josh Hader to do some sensitivity training, and that's it. So as I said, he's not. He wasn't going to get suspended. He wasn't going to get cut for for any of this. Um, so that was that was that. So the the worst thing Josh Hader has to do is go to sensitivity training, uh, and that's that. Uh, I think I told if so. I told the the same friend this yesterday. If I'm a professional athlete, number one. If I ever got drafted to a professional organization, I don't care what is on my Twitter or my my Instagram or whatever. I'm just I'm deleting them and I'm starting a new fresh one. I don't I don't know I don't care if there's nothing bad on my Twitter. I'm just deleting everything and then making new accounts. That way, none of this ever happens. Uh, number two, um, I feel like also if you're not going to delete it, you you kind of maybe have to get somebody to look at your Twitter or whatever social media page you have just to make sure, especially in this day and age that just look through, make sure you don't have anything uh, that's bad. Um, It's it's like it's 2018, right? Like it's uh, people. I'm trying to think about how to phrase this correctly. If, if you're a celebrity, right, there's going to be at least one per. I'm not saying Josh Hader's like a celebrity, but if if you're like, you know, in a higher position than most of us, you're there's going to be that one person that looks through your Twitter timeline and goes back to like 2012, 2011, something like that. And they, they see these tweets, they're going to retweet it, and then someone else is going to retweet it, and it just goes on and on and on, and then it becomes viral, and the tweet gets deleted, but someone already took a screenshot of it. I think, it, especially if you're a professional athlete, you kind of have to know that that's a risk. So I think he kind of, it's, I, I told my friend, I imagine it's easy to forget uh, tweeting stuff like that, uh, especially when it's now six to seven years later, but, you know, even then, um, I, I, it's, I, I don't know. Uh, people also brought up the point of, you know, because haters said that's not the person I am. And people kind of wondered, do you really, I mean, it's fine to say that, but th- is it really that drastic of a change from saying stuff like that to to now saying, oh, I'm not a person, I'm not that person anymore? It's, I don't know. So on one end of the of the spectrum, uh, it's, I'm kind of like, it's, the kid was 17 to 18. I know at the time the tweets were sent, he was like already drafted, uh, supposedly, but so there's, I'm on two different ends. I'm, I'm more on one end than, than the other. Um, the one end that I'm on is that he was only 17 to 18 years old. It's, we've all said stupid stuff. And if, if you hear that in the background, it's, the, it's my home phone. So I'm sorry. Um, it, we've all said stupid things as 16, 17 to 18 year old kids, right? In that, in that time frame, you know, from high school to a little after, We've all said stupid things. Um, at, have they? Were they? Were, have we all said something as stupid uh, as the things that Josh Hader tweeted out? No, right. That's it's fair to say. But to an extent, we've we've all said stupid things. Uh, someone uh, in Hader's defense uh, was he was kind of defending. He was like, "Oh, what have you not like? 
have you never told like one racist joke to like when you're joking around with your friends? Have we all done that? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I doubt all of us have, have done that. Uh, on the other end, and this is the end I'm kind of more on. I think that it, it it's it, if you're going to like have those thoughts, you kind of don't tweak that out. You know, like even if all your friends are the only ones following you at the time, it's it's something you don't tweet out. It's something that like if you're around your friends or like it's just like you have a private group chat or something like that, you say it there. But it's I feel like that's not something that you you tweet out if if you do have those thoughts. Um, so I think that you kind of have to know, um, especially with some of the things he said, they were a little rough. I feel like even at 18 years old, you kind of have to know some things are okay to say, some things you probably don't want to put out there in the public stratosphere. Um, but at the end of the day, nothing really happened. Uh, Josh Hader uh, is just has to go to some sensitivity training. Uh, he'll probably be back on the mound this weekend. And uh, he'll pitch for the Brewers, and hopefully the Brewers. Um, obviously, he'll he'll try to pitch them into into a into a playoff spot. So nothing really bad happened. Uh, I'm interested to see what the locker room is like. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna get a story like, oh, haters talk to his teammates, and his teammates understand this, that, and the other. Um, so uh, it's I'm waiting for that story to where, oh, he talked to this group of teammates, or he talked to everyone individually, and he really stressed that he's not that person and he really regrets what he tweeted. I'm just waiting for that story to come out. But Josh Hader, uh, it's, uh, he's, I don't want to say he is a hater, but, uh, he tweeted out some very questionable things, but it seems like nothing will come of it. I guarantee, you know, in, uh, two weeks, people are going to forget about it. But as of right now, it's something that I think it's, it makes sense to, uh, to address. The final thing I wanted to talk about today on the Ryan Wall Sports Podcast, there are a lot of things I wanted to talk about today, but just a couple of things that uh, there was something I wanted to talk about the NFL on Monday uh, that I said, okay, I'll talk about it on Wednesday, but I can't talk about it today because there's just uh, there's something else that has to take precedence over what I wanted to talk about the NFL, and it's the NBA. Kawhi Leonard has been traded not to the Lakers, not to the Sixers, not to the Celtics. Nope, he has been traded to the Toronto Raptors of all teams. So this all starts at 3, like 18 in the morning. Shams tweets out, oh, the Toronto Raptors and San Antonio Spurs are uh, in discussions um, with a trade. Believe that Leonard and DeRozan are part of the trade. Uh, excuse me as I get a sip of water. This is really bad podcasting. I'm going to cut that out. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, so 3 o'clock in the morning, I... I was awake at three o'clock in the morning, but I wasn't on Twitter, so I didn't know about this. So I wake up and I see a tweet um, from I forget who it was. It says uh, the Leonard has been traded for Demar Derozan. I'm like, all right, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What 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 is this? Because I did I whoa, I was like whoa 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 whoa. So uh, the first thing I do naturally. Uh, which is a shame because now when I wake up, uh, I kind of trying to like not look at my phone. Like I'll usually like turn it on, throw some music on, uh, and then just like kind of like not look at my phone um, for a while after I wake up. But then like I'm like, all right, let me just look at Twitter like real quick just to see if like this this deal went through. And um, naturally, I see the 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 Kawhi tweet. So that, then I have to look at my phone for the next thirty minutes, uh, determining what had happened. So. Later on, uh, roughly an hour later at 4 a.m., I learned, uh, Woj tweeted out that like there was a deal in place um, between the two organizations. And then at 8.58, um, I'm still sleeping at this point, by the way, uh, Woj tweeted out, Spurs have agreed to trade Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green to Toronto for DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertle, and a protected 2019 first-round pick, league sources tell ESPN. So, uh, that was, uh, I immediately, uh, was a little dumbfounded why the Toronto Raptors would, would make this trade. Uh, and naturally Chris Haynes, Crispy Haynes, uh, of ESPN, he tweets out at 4.35 AM, Kawhi Leonard has no desire to play in Toronto, leak source tells ESPN. So, uh, Toronto essentially traded uh, a franchise icon, someone that everybody loved, the city loved, the team loved, the players loved. Uh, they traded him away for a guy that, uh, at this point in time, seemingly does not want to be uh, 
in Toronto, uh, which that's that's it's not a good look, right? Especially so uh, several several days ago, uh, the front office tells DeRozan, "Oh yeah, don't worry, we're not going to trade you this off season." Uh, so naturally, uh, they trade him to San Antonio um, for a guy that doesn't really even seem like he wants to be there. Um, and it's it, it sparked the conversation about, oh, there's no loyalty in the NBA. Oh, fuck the Raptors front office for trading this guy after they said they wouldn't. There's no loyalty, this, that, and the other. It's it, it's the same. It was the same thing that happened when Isaiah Thomas got traded from Boston to Cleveland. And it's, it's, I don't know, I, I hate the, the argument about, like, oh, we all should feel really bad for this. And, like, I felt, did I feel, like, a little bad for for DeMar? Like, yeah, a little bit. But at the end of the day, like, it's a business, like, it's, it's, this, it's the same cliche thing that people say over and over. But it's true. At the end of the day, the NBA is a business, right? Like, it's, it's, it's you know, you can say that, oh, we're not going to trade you. Um, like a week earlier, and then you end up trading them. Like, does that suck? Yeah, but the NBA is a business, and if you're a player, you kind of understand that, you know, you're never truly locked in to a certain location. You know, there's always that one, that slight chance, especially if you're a guy like DeRozan, who, is he a good player? Yeah. Is he one of the best in the league? No. He's very good, but is he top 10? No. Um... If you're if you're one of those guys, you're never really truly safe. So uh, it's at the end of the day, it, it's a business. I think people need to start realizing that. Um, but uh, as I said, uh, the trade had happened. Uh, supposedly, it is uh, official. Uh, Kawhi is now a member of the the Toronto Raptors along with Danny Green, whereas now Demar Derozan and Yaka Pertl are now members of the San Antonio Spurs organization. So uh, we look at what this looks like for for both teams, right? Um, so first for the for the Toronto Raptors, um, the Kyle Lowry is still there, um, and the I'm really interested to see what happens with him because DeRozan was his boy. Um, they were really good friends, so I'm interested to see what happens there. You bring in Danny Green. I can only imagine that Danny Green is going to be one of the starters. Uh, I don't know why else they would bring him in. I imagine he would start at the at the two guard. So you bring in Kawhi Leonard, and we're gonna we're gonna do this. Um, we're gonna start with this, um, assuming that Kawhi is this really great humble guy that really wants to play in Toronto, and he's gonna play all 82 games. So that's how we're gonna start this. So Kawhi is gonna be at the three. Uh, you have Serge Ibaka still there. I imagine he would be at the at the four, uh, and then Jonas uh, Valanciunas would be uh, at the five. On the bench, you still have Fred Van Vliet, who re-upped for two years and $18 million. You have your your second-year guy, the guy you picked in the first round last year um, with the 23rd overall pick. Uh, you have uh, OG Anunoboy, um, who is going to be 21 years old. You have CJ Miles. You have Wright. You have Siakam, Powell. Uh, you still have Malachi Richardson. I got to say, I, it's... it's I say this every time Malachi Richardson gets brought brought up. I got to see him play multiple times when he, when he was in high school. So uh, Malachi Richardson, uh, he is now on the on the Toronto Raptors. The guy from Syracuse. Um, so it's you look at the Raptors. Uh, that's that's how they look. You didn't look at the San Antonio Spurs. Um, you you probably have uh, DeRozan now slots in obviously in their in their starting five. You you still have Patty Mills. You still have DeJunte Murray, who is one of my favorite players uh, in the league right now. I think he's going to be a uh, – okay, maybe uh, – I want to say stud, but I, I know I can't go around throw, using that word lightly. I think he's going to be a very good player. I'll say that right now. I think Murray's going to be a very good player. So you have those two. You have DeRozan. You still have LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, you have Pau Gasol, who is obviously getting up there in age. He's now 38. Um, you, you bring in Marco Bellinelli from the 76ers. Um, on a two-year deal, it's 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 assumed to be twelve million dollars. You bring in Rudy Gay, uh, you bring back Rudy Gay, I should say, on a one-year, ten million dollar deal. You bring in Dante Cunningham, uh, free agent from Brooklyn, on a one-year, two point five million dollar deal. You bring in Brian Ferbs from Michigan State. You you uh, you get uh, Davis Bertans. You re-sign him for two years and fourteen point five million. And then you you draft a couple players. the The main one of those two is Lonnie Walker the fourth. You draft him 18th overall, the 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 wing from Miami. So it's I, I think 
that's okay. I'll, I'll say this first. That's how San Antonio's looking. I think if you're Toronto and you have Kawhi Leonard, who, as I said, we're going to assume that Kawhi is this really good guy that really wants to play in Toronto uh, and loves the city and really wants to play there. I can't. Start. So uh, you look at Toronto last year, they had a defensive rating in the regular season. Um, these are just going to be all regular season stats uh, of 103.4. That was the fifth highest mark of the league. They were behind just Boston, Utah, Philadelphia, and San Antonio, which um, were. You know, very obviously, it's they're very good defensively. Um, you take a look at their net rating; it was seven point six. Um, you look at their defensive rebound percentage of of seventy of what was it seventy seven point seven? It was thirteenth in the league, so you were in the top half of the of the league. Um, you you take a look even further. So the best defensive rating in the league last year belonged to to Andre Ingram of the Lakers. Now he only played in two games, so it was ninety three point eight. You up that to Kawhi Leonard, who played in nine games. His defensive rating was 95.2. Uh, Andre Roberson had a defensive rating of 96.4, only played in 39 games. The The best defensive rating belonged to Aaron Baines. Um, he played 81 games, uh, and I'm going to say the best, um, just based on you know players playing most of the games. He had a 97.0 defensive rating. Um, so you, you take a look at what the, the Raptors did. Right, you take a look at um, what their individual defensive ratings were. DeRozan's was 105.4. That was towards the bottom uh, of the team. The only ones with the worst defensive rating than him on the team were Norman Powell, uh, Valence Eunice, uh, Alfonso McKinney, and Malachi. Um, and then you you trade away Jacob Pertle or Jakob Pertle, I should say, who had. Uh, and I'm going to get into him in a second because I really think he's going to be a solid player for San Antonio. He had a defensive rating of 103.3. Um, uh, you take a look then at, at San Antonio, Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, when he's when he's on, he's one of the best two-way players in the league. Um, is he a top three player when he's healthy? It, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would say that anymore. Uh, is he a star? Is he a star? I laugh because this is something we debated uh, on my on my radio show I do with my good friend Matt, who's going to be on the podcast at some point in August, talking about the Patriots. Uh, we debated this. Uh, Matt said he was not a star. Is Kawhi a star? Um, you know, probably not. Uh, I took the other side of the argument, but if you look at it, he's not really a star. Uh, is he a good player? Is he a really good player when he's healthy? Yeah. Is he a star? Uh, probably not. Um, but he had a defensive rating of 95.2, uh, and Danny Green, he had a defensive rating of 102.3. So I think if you look at Toronto, uh, assuming Kawhi plays, um, once again, uh, it's it's a team that got much better defensively than they even were uh, a season ago. A season ago, they were, by defensive rating, a top-five team. Um, I think you get a little better defensively when you bring in a guy like, uh, obviously like a Kawhi Leonard. Now, not only defensively, offensively, they were a very good team as well. They had an offensive rating of 111 on the nose. They were third in the league behind just the offensive juggernauts in Golden State and Houston. Uh, they were ahead of teams like Minnesota, Cleveland, Denver, Milwaukee, the Clippers, the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Sixers finished at 11th at 107.5. Um, so, uh, Offensively, they were they were very solid. They had a, a true shooting percentage of fifty-seven point five percent. That was fourth in the league behind just Golden State, Houston, and Cleveland. They had a, a pace of ninety-nine point eight. That was in the top half of the league um, at thirteenth. And even though you bring in Kawhi and Danny Green, the pace won't be drastically different um, than than it was uh, a season ago. Uh, it's so uh, they're. Uh, as I bring up these stats, their effective field goal percentage um, for Toronto was 53.9%. It was also top five uh, in the league. So they were behind just Golden State, Houston, Cleveland, and New Orleans. So they were a good offensive and defensive team. I think you bring in Kawhi and Danny Green, um, and you so you replace DeMar and Yaka Pirtle with Kawhi and Danny Green. I think uh, assuming those guys play all 82 games, your team is slightly better. Um, for sure, because now uh, Kawhi is definitely a better player than than DeRozan. I think he would do more for that team than DeMar did, um, both offensively and defensively. So I think it makes your team better. Um, you look at how, what Kawhi did. Uh, so last year, obviously, he only played in nine games. He averaged 16.2 points. He averaged four rebounds and 2.3 assists. I think you really have to go back to 2016 when he averaged 25.5 points, uh, 5.8 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 
this was right, really when he was in the conversation of, oh, is this guy really one of the top three, four players in, in basketball when he's on? Um, obviously, he established himself as a really good defensive wing who could also score. He improved offensively for sure. Um, you, you could take a look at his defensive metrics. Um, one of the best defensive players, uh, if not the best defensive player in basketball when he's healthy and when he's on. Um, and so he finds himself now with the with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, I, I keep saying, assuming that he plays with the Raptors, that's a, that's a pretty good team. Uh, you look at Danny Green, who now who now comes over. He's, uh, I think, 31. Yeah, he's 31 years old. Last year, he appeared in 70 games with San Antonio. He started 60 of them. He averaged 25.6 minutes a contest, averaged eight points, uh, three rebounds, and uh, roughly two assists. Obviously, his main thing is uh, he's a shooter, so he's going to get up a lot of shots. He attempted 4.6 threes. Last year, his career, he averages 4.5 a season. His his main one came in 2014, that season, when he averaged close to six. He shot 5.6 threes um, per contest on average. So he, he's a shooter, so he adds a three-point element to that to that Toronto team. Um, so you, Toronto brings in those guys. San Antonio gets a guy in DeMar DeRozan, who averaged last year. He appeared in 80 games, started all 80 of them. He averaged 33.9 minutes per contest, and in those 33.9 minutes, he averaged 23 points, uh, 3.9 rebounds, and 5.2 assists. You also bring in Yaka Pertl, who is who's only 22 years old. This is, I, I think, it's a really good add for San Antonio. This is a guy that's appeared in all 82 games last year for Toronto. He didn't start any of them, but he appeared in all 82. He was the backup big man. He was in that rotation with like Valencia, uh, with uh, Valanciunas, uh, Ibaka, and then there was Pertl. Um, so uh, he averaged 6.9 points uh, per contest. He had close to five rebounds, a couple ticks under at 4.8, um, and then 1.2 blocks um, per game. He also averaged a turnover uh, per game. So uh, I really I think that the question becomes uh, who won the trade, right? And I think I really think that it was a solid deal for for both sides. Um, I know it's not you know I'm I'm supposed to take like a side on this, right? But uh, I think it was good for for both. So I told I told another friend um, this. I think this trade was good for for Toronto because it gives them the opportunity to to go with a full blown organizational reset a year from now. Because let's let's uh, let's be honest, um, right? So I said, okay, let's assume that uh, Kawhi is gonna play all 82 games with the Raptors. Well, that happened. Uh, at this point, I doubt it. Uh, if you had to, a gun to my head right now, um, I would guess that he's either going to mail it in uh, and give the minimal amount of effort needed each game, uh, or he's going to fake an injury and get surgery on it, um, or um, he's just going to sit out. Now, I know there's there's issues if he actually sits out the entire season. He doesn't get paid. There's stuff that, you know, there's issues that he would run into in free agency. I know that. It's just I find it hard to believe that Kawhi is going to play. And listen, if I'm proved wrong, I'm proved wrong. But from what I know about Kawhi, what he and his camp have have taught me the past month, month and a half, it's and I guess you could go even further back to even January. Um, the, so the past seven months, what I know about Kawhi now, it's, will he play? If he had to put a gun to my head, I, I doubt he plays for Toronto. If he does, I can't imagine it's more than 20 games. I really can't imagine. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll, I'll come back. Obviously it's, it's recorded. It's on the internet. So I'll come back and say, Oh, listen to this, listen to this idiot. What he said back in July. Uh, and uh, you know, I was wrong, but, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, you know, he's not going to stay in Toronto past this season. It seems like he wants to go to Los Angeles. Um, at this point, I think the only way he wasn't going to go to Los Angeles is if the Sixers traded for him, and then he would have had one year with the Sixers, and you know maybe he would have liked it, uh, and then that's how he would have resigned. But at this point, it seems like he's going to go to the Lakers uh, and play there um, with LeBron, and that'll be that. So I think it, this sets up Toronto well because, as I said, they can go with a, a full-blown organizational reset because Kawhi will leave... You no longer have Demar's contracts on the books. He is getting, he's getting paid twenty-seven million dollars for the next few years. So you you take his contract off the books, and you take a look at, at Kyle Lowry. He recently signed uh, an extension. So next year will be his final year, right? So twenty eighteen, he's making thirty-one million dollars. Uh, in twenty nineteen, he's making thirty-three million. 
and then he's off the books. Uh, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So it's he. Uh, it really gives the Raptors a really good shot to just restart everything, which I think is what they need. You know, they had their window for a little bit. They just they could never really capitalize, um, despite the talent that they had. They could never really capitalize. They either always ran into LeBron or or just something else. So I think this gives them a really good opportunity to just take a step back, um, maybe start to focus a little more. Um, on the draft, um, just qu- acquiring as much young talent as possible, and then maybe in a few years they'll they'll be right back in it. But uh, you know, as of right now, it gives them a good chance to just kind of evaluate where they are, and then maybe restart. Is it, I, I don't want to use the word rebuild. Uh, maybe they would want to use retool, uh, but uh, it gives them a chance to kind of just evaluate where they are, and then this time next year maybe they can kind of start the retool process. They can start bringing in young talent. Uh, they could start getting, you know, a player that they want since Damar is not on the cap anymore. Um, so I think that's good for them. San Antonio, meanwhile, I think they get a, a good package back for for Kawhi, uh, considering all the circumstances. Especially, it seemed like <clears throat> Brandon Ingram was not an option. Uh, Markel Fultz definitely was not an option. So, and I don't know, maybe Popovich wanted like established guys. He didn't want, you know, younger guys like a, like a Sharch or a Fultz or an Ingram. I, I don't know. Nobody will ever know what really went down in San Antonio. But I think it gives San Antonio a couple good building blocks. You have DeMar, who's, uh, you know, they can obviously afford the contract. Uh, maybe it's a guy that Pop wants to work with, and who knows, maybe he makes DeMar, you know, better than he's ever been before. But obviously, Pop's one of the best coaches in basketball. And you get in Yaka Pertl, who I don't think enough people are talking about this. Yaka Pertl, I think he's going to be a really good fit there in in San Antonio. I think he's going to be he's going to be very, very solid. Um, so it's you you looked at Jakob coming um out of the draft. This his athleticism for his size was was his main thing. So this is a guy that stands over seven feet tall. Um, his his athleticism he could he he runs up and down the court very well, right? Um, so it's, I think defensively he's, he's pretty solid, um, especially, you know, for his size, he kind of, his coordination, um, uh, you know, in correlation with his size is, is pretty good. It's something that you really wouldn't expect. I think if he continues to add strength, he'll become better both offensively and defensively. He's a guy that kind of understands what he can do and what he's good at. And he understands what he's not good at. So he doesn't try to be something that he's not, um, I don't know how high his ceiling is. I think that he can be a good starter. Can he be an all-star? No. Um, but um, And once again, if I'm wrong about that, I'll come back and, and say it. But can he be an all-star? No. Can he be a good starter for that San Antonio team? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think he can be a very good starter. Um, I think his ceiling is probably, you know, you know, a solid a solid big man. Is he ever one of the top NBA? And I hate to use positions because I think basketball is becoming positionless, but is he ever going to be one of the best centers in basketball? You know, probably not. No, but can he be a, a solid big man? Yeah, I think he get it. And then obviously you get into the conversation of, well, what do you consider solid? What, you know, but I think Yaka Pertle is, he's really going to flourish um, in San Antonio, especially under Greg Popovich. He can learn from a couple big men there and guys like Pau Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge who have obviously been around the block a few times. So I, it's, I think that San Antonio is a good spot for Pirtle. Um I think it's a good spot for DeMar DeRozan. Uh, does San Antonio make the playoffs next year? I think that, you know, you bring in a guy like a DeMar who you know will definitely play this year. If you had Kawhi, you don't know if he would play, but you bring in a guy like a DeMar. You know, I think now the San Antonio, they're still going to be in that playoff picture until the end of the season. Uh, but, yeah, I think the trade was good for, for both teams. Uh, they also got the, I will say, San Antonio got that pick. Uh, I will say Toronto protected themselves really well with that protection. So it's 1-20 to protected, um, if you did not see yet. Uh, 1-20 to protected. So the Spurs are banking on Kawhi playing and Toronto being, you know, a top team in the East and, you know, a, a, a late exit in the in the playoffs that's what they're counting on so they that pick conveys um toronto protecting themselves to where if Kawhi doesn't play uh and the raptors are not very good they keep their pick and then they just trade uh, san antonio two second rounders the following year so you know even even despite the uh that the i'm gonna call it the neurons noel pick because it was kind of the same thing um with you know that situation uh it's i think it was still a good trade for san antonio i, I don't know 
how much better, what what better return they could have gotten. Because um, I don't know what the Sixers were ultimately willing to give up. Because if this was the deal for Kawhi, I kind of wonder, you know, if that offer was real of the 2021 Miami pick, Sharch and Covington and like other pieces for for um, for Kawhi. Uh, and the Spurs maybe didn't accept that, but they accepted this. I, I don't know. So I don't know what the Sixers ended up offering. I don't know what the Lakers ended up offering, but this is the trade that we had. The Rosen, um, Pirtle, and a 2019 protected first-round pick to the San Antonio Spurs in exchange for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. So Kawhi is, for now, a Toronto Raptor. We'll wait and see how that plays out. I can't, if you had to ask me right now, I can't imagine it's going to play out too well, but have to wait and see. Just have to have to wait and see. I uh, just wanted to end the podcast with like a little 30 seconds of NASCAR, I guess. So they've been testing at the Roval once again. As I said last week, um, some of them were uh, testing at the Roval. They are testing again this year or this year, this week. Uh, the other half of drivers are, and it's pretty cool. Just like, the Roval, like it's, it's, I don't know. It's so fun to watch. Like, I guess it's kind of stupid to say, but like, it's so fun to watch. Like the guys are like spinning out. They're like trying to like get all the advantages they can. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to when they they race at the Roval in October. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. But that's all I wanted to talk about today on this edition of the Ryan Wald Sports Podcast. Be sure to catch this again on a Friday. So uh, I think the the goal with this is definitely just at least three days a week. If if I do four or five, then so be it. But definitely three days a week for the podcast, uh, and then and then go from there. So said you can listen to this podcast now on iTunes, Spotify, Castbox, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Um, be sure to visit my link tree to, to see the full list. You can just go to ryanwaldis.com and click on the podcast tab, and that'll bring you to my link tree. You can see the full list of services that my podcast is offered on. You can see the link for my website. You can you can follow me on my social media pages from there. Anything that you need to know about, just go to my link tree. As I said, just go to ryanwaldis.com and click on the podcast tab. You can also go to the the link itself. It is link tr.ee slash Ryan Waldis. Once again, link tr.ee slash Ryan Waldis, and that's how you can get to it as as well. So we'll be back on Friday with the Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast. I want to thank you all for listening to, to this episode. Uh, I thought we would be talking about a Machado trade, but we were not. So maybe on Friday we'll be talking about a Manny Machado trade. Um, but regardless, once again, thank you for listening, and I'll catch you guys on Friday. Thanks for listening. Oh, 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 oh,